All right, I'm going to try sharing something with you and see if you can see this and how well this looks. All right, that's pretty big, right? Hang on, I got to click. Whoa. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. try this during the podcast. Okay. So that I'm not holding the timer and you guys have no idea how much time is left. Okay. So you're telling me I can't minimize? Damn it. You have three monitors. <laughs> he doesn't know that until you just said it. I knew you had at least two. So anyway, I just I wasn't sure how it was going to look on your guys' then. If you can see the timer. It's very okay, large. Okay, that's like good. Yeah, no, yeah, there, there's no missing the, it. I literally just went to Google and right said, now. big uh, web page timer. And then I found <laughs> bigtimer.net, and that's where we're at. <laughs> bigtimer.net. So is Manny fresh there? So uh, There's a guy called the Big Timer. Oh, no, yeah, then no. I don't know. But there, there was the Big Timer. No, we're not. They're rappers. Come on. Oh, yeah. Sorry. But that, of course. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Josh does, Josh knows a lot about music, but nothing about rap. I forgot. That's... I think I tricked people over the last 25 years into them thinking that I know a lot about music. Just smile and nod when they talk about rap people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. No, he said music, not rap. He doesn't really know a lot about music is what he said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know what's in Josh's wheelhouse. It's it's 90s music. Well, right. 90s rock music specifically. That's... So is it the music my dentist plays and then gets upset when people call it classic rock? <laughs> Not yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, as I said, I just had that thing I put up a couple weeks ago that I was driving and listening to 3WS that played. It was No Doubt, and I want to say something. Oh, was it R.E.M.? Like R.E.M. and No Doubt back-to-back -back on 3WS. That'll do it. Yep. Yeah. 94.5, man. That's our station now. <laughs> we've we've officially us. grown up. Is that the easy listening station? <laughs> that meme that's gone around for a couple years of like, oh, I, I, I know I'm getting old because I'm now finding the music being played in the grocery store very pleasant. <laughs> you know you're old when you start hearing Careless Whisper and you're like, yeah, man, that's my jam. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode, we're talking about some swords and sorcery. That's right up his chamber of secrets, Josh Zorch. Uh, we're going to call this, like, at the very the very best, like, the dollar tree of swords and sorcery, <laughs> but sure, go ahead. Uh, next up, I don't need eyes to find him, but I can smell him from 100 paces, Mike Bradley. You went back to the negative shit. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. That's it. That's it. That's it. I am dropping the C-bomb at least five <laughs> times on this show. And finally, he buys the cosplay cover magazines for the articles, Ian Leidick. The greatest feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. You train your biceps, the blood rushes into your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get the real tight feeling like someone blowing air into your muscle. It feels fantastic. It is as satisfying to me as coming, as having sex with a woman and coming. It's like, can you believe how much I am in heaven? I am getting the feeling of coming in the gym, at home, when I'm backstage pumping up, when I'm out posing in front of thousands of people. I am coming and in heaven. 
but like ha- I could tell he was reading and like halfway through I'm thinking is this an actual quote from Arnold and then we got to the coming part and I was like no that's not I don't think that's an actual quote it's an actual quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger from Pumping Iron is it really hell yeah it is it's in the movie <laughs> Go- YouTube Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> pump and come <laughs> Nope, I'm too afraid to Google that. I'm sorry. I'm not. It's gonna... YouTube. <laughs> it's if you search YouTube. on YouTube, it won't give you the normal Google results. <laughs> All right. at least you know. There's you'll, like you'll just... five different people that have clipped the scene. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, you, you come here to learn things, folks. Apparently, yeah, I've I've already learned too much. Uh, so we're we're back for another rewind theater episode. Uh, looking back, I think it's been another long break between this and the last one. Probably about two and a half months ish. I think since we did the last at least, yeah. rewind theater. Uh, so again, I'll go through the whole reminder stuff. If you've uh, forgot what this is, or this is your first Rewind Theater, it is basically an excuse for us to go back, revisit some old comic book movies that we either haven't seen or haven't seen for a while. Our format for these has been to start with some of the comic book background, uh, since they're all based on comic book movies or graphic novels. After that, we will talk about some of the people involved with transitioning that property into a movie. We'll go over the budgets, box office, ratings, uh, if it's a first-time watch or a rewatch for any of us. And then before we get to the discussion, I'll throw out the spoiler alert. We'll get to a 60-second summary, which one of us has volunteered to do ahead of time. Uh, when we get to our discussion, it is three topics. We have direction and story, characters and actors, and anything that we missed that we still want to talk about. To try to keep us on track, I'm giving ourselves a 20-minute timer for each of the categories. Uh, once we get through all of those, we'll end the discussion with a rating and uh, if we think the movie holds up or not. And then lastly, when we wrap up the discussion on this movie... To take the pressure of us for the next one, we leave it up to the Wheel of Fate to pick the Wheel of Fate. what we are watching next. So if you've listened to the past episodes, you'll know we have been trying to stick to three franchises and three standalone movies on the wheel at a time. We reserve the right to change that format at some point later if we feel this isn't working. Either way, at the end of the episode, we'll spin the wheel to see what we are watching for the next one. At this rate, it'll be another two months, two and a half months before we get to it. But hey, that's what you got to look forward to. So that's where how we got here at the end of our 1997, uh, or sorry, at the end of our last episode, which was 1997 Steel, the wheel has selected 1985's Red Sonja, and that is our topic for today. So when we typically kick off, Josh normally has the comic book background, but Josh took the 60 second summary for this one. So we have a guest lecturer for this week, or for this episode. This is going to be Ian, the floor is yours for comic book background. You solve the riddle of steel? Robert E. Howard was one of the seminal Pulp Fiction writers of his time. He is most known for creating the character Conan in his short stories. Since Conan debuted in the literary world, he will not be covered in Rewind Theater. In 1934, the story Shadow of the Vulture was published in Magic Carpet Magazine, a very real magazine. (laughs) Set in the 16th century, one of the characters featured in this story was called Red Sonia of Rogantino. She would become the inspiration for our chainmail bikini-clad warrior. In 1973, Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith at Marvel Comics created Red Sonja, who debuted in Conan the Barbarian, 23. During this time, Roy Thomas was also serving as the editor-in-chief of Marvel. Roy Thomas is also the co-creator of hit movie franchise character Morbius the Living Vampire. <laughs> With her introduction in the Hyborian Age, Red Sonia returned with her signature red hair and fiery attitude to match. 
She has the same backstory as she has in this movie. Her family is attacked and killed. She is raped and then in return given magical powers to become the world's greatest warrior. Unlike in this movie, she's actually the world's greatest warrior in the comic books. <laughs> the popularity of her character led to her being the lead for Marvel Feature, a showcase series to try out new characters and concepts. After seven-issue run, Sonya was ready for prime time, getting her own series in 1977. Over the Marvel years, Red Sonya would have over 40 solo issues released. As of 2005, Dynamite Entertainment began publishing Red Sonya. The character has found continued success with Dynamite, with five different continuing or mini-series being released during 2021. A strong woman who learns of the sword to avenge the family she'll never have again. A story of hope, dreams, and vengeance. Red Sonya is sword and sorcery. Nice, very well. I didn't realize she was a Marvel Comics character at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were doing Conan and a lot of that kind of stuff back then. Okay. You know before superheroes were the only thing. That yeah, we... yeah. See that? Well, I actually did learn something. Uh, all right, so who was involved with transla- translating this property into a movie? So this is directed by Richard Fleischer, who, I had to look it up, has no relation to Zombieland director, Venom director, and Uncharted director Ruben Fleischer. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. Uh, but he does have a 40-year career directing. So... Some of the movies that I recognize, I haven't seen them, but I recognize them. Uh, 1954's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, 1967's Dr. Doolittle, 1973's Soylent Green, 1980's The Jazz Singer, and he directed 1984's Conan the Destroyer. And then, right after that, 1985's Red Sonja. Uh, the movie was written by Clive Exton and George MacDonald Frazier. Uh, Exton didn't really have anything on his IMDb that I recognized. Uh, George McDonald Frazier wrote the screenplay for 1973's The Three Musketeers and did a few other Musketeer sequels. He is also credited as the screen story writer for 1983's Octopussy. Uh, so Red Sonja f- stars Bridget Nielsen, Nelson, Nielsen, Nielsen as Red Sonja, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is credited before Bridget Nelson. Uh, is in the movie as Kalidor, so it's not even Co- he's not even credited as Conan, which we might have to get into why that whole thing is there. Um, Sandal Bergman as Queen Gedrin, uh, Paul L. Smith as Falcon, Ernie Reyes Jr. as Prince Tarn, who, upon Tarn's looking crossover. at him, yeah, I was upon looking at him, I'm like, that's is that Kino? That kind of looks like Kino, and then he does like starts doing the martial arts stuff, and I was like, that is totally Kino. And I had to look it up. So, yes, that is Kino from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Uh, and then shout out to Ronald Lacey as Ickle, I think, uh, who was the Raiders of the Lost Ark guy with the, the creepy henchman guy that gets his hand burnt on the amulet mm. from Raiders. Oh. That makes sense. Uh, any guesses from you guys on the film's budget for Red Sonja in 1985? 223. Two two twenty. Clearly, a two hundred twenty-three million dollar. In nineteen eighty-five, two hundred twenty-three million dollars. <laughs> oh, that's right. We need to adjust for inflation. This is more than uh, the Avengers <laughs> Endgame budget. Three hundred fifty-four million. Uh, I'm gonna just tell I'll... you right out. You are way off. Um... <laughs> Damn it. Um, you know, it, this is the hard part where it's like I know Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't cheap by eighty-five. 
but he wasn't like 90s level expensive yet. Remember, he was and, locked into a 10-year deal for this movie. That's why he appeared in it as a favor to that producer. Oh, okay. Well, that that can change things then because I was figuring he was definitely the most expensive part of the movie. He also was only on like set for 4 weeks. Let me it, say the production lasted at least 4 weeks. Yes. <laughs> 55,000. Okay. And do you have a budget guess? Yeah, so I, I know the budget's kind of a, the other Conan movies, so I have a very educated, I hope, guess of $20 million. Okay. You are the closest. Well, yeah. <laughs> no one else guessed a realistic number. <laughs> uh, I didn't find it on Box Office Mojo, but Wikipedia told me it was $17.9 million. So the rapes. Of course, I didn't look up the other budgets. Do you know the other budgets for the Conan movies, Ian? Or do the, you? That ballpark. Okay, somewhere around $20 million. Um, so any guesses for the box office for Red Sonia, 1985? $54,000. <laughs> that actually might not be that uh, inaccurate. Um, what was it? 17 point something million? 17.9 million for the budget. All right. People saw a lot of things that really didn't deserve to be seen in the eighties. Yeah. Arnold. If they were put it, so in it a might theater. be worth it. But we're also talking like nineteen eighties dollars. Um, <laughs> I mean, t- like movie tickets were still like a buck fifty. Um, I'll go twenty million. Okay, Ian. Ten. Ten million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that puts Ian the closest again. So domestic total for when it opened six million nine hundred and forty nine thousand six hundred and thirty three dollars. Internationally, I prices rated that. <laughs> t- true. Uh, internationally, it never saw a release until 2018. It got a re-release in Australia. It made two thousand seven hundred and eighty-two dollars, <laughs> <laughs> which brings its worldwide total to six million nine hundred and fifty-one thousand four hundred and fifteen dollars. W- was that a single theater? I would assume. Was that like a one theater release? It made two grand. And I'm wondering if it was like some something? sort of like. Conan like marathon and they tagged it at the end or something. I don't know. I didn't see what the re-release like why they re-released it then and there for the for whatever reason. But um, right. for comparison's sake, 1982's Conan the Barbarian ended its worldwide run at eight sixty nine million dollars. Noich. Conan the Destroyer from 1984, thirty one million dollars. So this is like completely so downhill went. between all three of these. Exponentially worse. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomato rating. The critic rating for Red Sonia, 19%. Audience rating, 28%. Okay. The Metascore on Metacritic is 35. User score, 5.6. So that is the probably the, the most generous is the user score on Metacritic. Uh, all right, going around the horn for you guys. Ian, is this a first-time viewing or a rewatch? A rewatch. Uh, Josh, first time or rewatch? Definitely first time. Mike? First time. Okay. Yeah, this is the first time viewing for me also. Ian, I think you said you went through and watched all the other Conan movies too, right? You were you did yeah, some watched, major prep for this. I watched the other two Conan movies uh, last week when we were recording this last week. <laughs> <laughs> So you're you're fully stacked for this episode. You're ready. I know my Conan movie. <laughs> um, all right. So it's that time of the show. We're going to get into the discussion portion. 
So we're going to be discussing everything in the movie. I'm going to throw out the spoiler spoiler alert. So if you have not seen 1985's Red Sonja and do not want spoiled, pause this now. Go watch the movie. It is on HBO Max at the time of this recording. I don't know how long it's going to stay there. Uh, but if you have HBO Max and want to watch it, it is an hour and a half. It's very quick. Uh, kind of. I mean, runtime is short, <laughs> but viewing-wise, I don't know if it's going to feel quick. Uh, so watch it. Come back. Uh, once you're done, pick, pick up right here, and we'll be here waiting for you. So last warning, spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so now that the spoiler alert is out of the way, we're going to roll into the 60-second summary. So again, the goal of this, uh, if you've decided to listen on and haven't seen the movie, it gives you an idea of at least what the plot is sort of kind of about. And we've added the added challenge of whoever's doing the the summary to do it in under 60 seconds. Uh, So Josh is on the hot seat for this one. You can let me know when you are ready to go, and I will time you. Sure. Uh, I, I did absolutely no prep for this or like like a dry run whatsoever. So <laughs> this is literally all just going to be on the fly and we'll just see. I feel like whatever I don't get to fit in, it won't really matter. <laughs> all right. You want me to count you in? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. Red Sonja is a 40 minute story told over 90 minutes. It's your basic sword and sorcery story where a naval queen has a powerful amulet uh, that someone wants to stop her from having. That's mostly what happens. That's that's just <laughs> about it. Along the way, uh, we find out that even in fantasy worlds, patronizing women and mansplaining their need for men still exists. Arnold is there. He plays a character who is the worst deliverer of news ever. Sonia, <laughs> your sister's dying. And later, as Sonia is holding her dead sister, she's dead. <laughs> Uh, there's tons of child torture, but uh, he's a little shit, so you don't really care. Um, the Queen's Vizier apparently has a uh, porn uh, screensaver on his vision wall. Falcom loves being spanked. There's a metal water dragon that is fought. Arnold saves Sonya because she's a woman. Arnold gets mad at the shit kid for, cuck blo- or for cock blocking him later. And then he acts like sloth to help them get out of the cave at the end. Not bad. You made it right at the end. Or is there more that you just stopped somewhere in the middle? You don't even need more, though. Like... <laughs> I think the only thing I didn't get in was uh, the story ends with Sonya and Arnold wanting to bone each other hard on the moors. Yep, that's a good end stamp there. Yep. They did have an affair during the filming, so. <laughs> Arnold having affairs? What? <laughs> I know, crazy, the pump and iron guy that talks about cum all the time. <laughs> uh, all right, so we are into our three categories. Um, Mike, which one would you like to start with? Direction, story, characters, actors, or whatever else we didn't get to yet, even though we could do that first. Would, like, writing fall into direction, story, I guess? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Let's start there. All right, direction, story. So, for direction and story, the first thing I want to say is this is some of the absolute worst written dialogue I have ever heard in a movie. Um, Josh touched on some of that. Uh, you know, oh, your sister is dying. And that's all he says to go, like, and she just goes with him. Okay. And the whole, like, your sister is dead thing. And just throughout the whole damn movie, the dialogue is so bad. And that, I mean, that'll fall into acting too, but when you're handed, this is what we want you to say, 
you can only do so much with it. Like you, you know, how can you act that any better? Yeah. Um, the writing is, I don't want to say anti-feminist, but it is very, um, it, man, it's just it's bad. Time. It no. does not pass the Bechtel test. <laughs> they, they wrote not a, even you know, close. A female lead movie where the female lead doesn't do anything and is actually really bad at trying to do stuff. Yeah. Yes. And who, who is out, who, who, who a man is top billed over her as the titular character. Yeah, as soon as I like the, the opening credits start and it says <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger before the lead of the, bef- the you know quote unquote lead, I was like, oh okay, I know what we're in for now. Yeah, that was one that I actually noted. Like this, like the title character of this movie did not get top billing. Yeah. All right, that's interesting. You know, in terms of direction, I actually thought like the first person camera for the one sword fight. It, near the beginning when we first see Sonya in that whatever temple fighting mm-hmm. it was. That was kind of cool for the time. That was something that wasn't really common to see. And I feel like this director, you said his name was Richard Fleischer? Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of um, inspiration taken by this director from the director of Friday the 13th. Because we see this, mm. which was a common perspective that was used in Friday the 13th, which is why like kind of what set that movie aside is a um, groundbreaking horror movie is you got a first person perspective as the killer killing somebody. So it was a very shocking movie uh, for people to see at the time. And we also more than once in this movie get almost like a shot for shot remake of Pamela Voorhees head being chopped off and floating through the <laughs> air. Yeah. There, there was um, a couple of decapitations. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it was like the same shot too. Is what I mean. Like you, you mm-hmm. got that same like head flying through the Over air the thing that you got in yep. Friday the Thirteenth. So I, I could definitely see the inspiration there, and that would, if it had only happened once, I'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." The fact that it happened twice, I was like, "You already did that." But the the I, I thought that the first person perspective was really cool. Um, it, you know, other than that. You know, like, you have Arnold, like, she tells him no. She doesn't want his help. So what does he do? He stalks her. <laughs> um, You know, the writing that has, like, oh, the prince who probably stole all that gold to begin with were showing up to protect him from the people that are probably just taking the gold that they mined, you know at the point of the whips of his people. Well, well, no, no. Those Um, guys are much better dressed than the prince. That guy, that lead guy has such a nice hat. He should be (laughs) a king. But, but I feel like those guys were kind of Robin hooding it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That kid had three gold coins to his name. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying he was kind of a sniveling little shit. And I don't know. Um, and it seems like, I guess the last thing I'll say about the writing and the story and the direction is it seems like their answer to every predicament they put their characters into is Arnold Schwarzenegger can lift that. Yeah. Or fight that. No, I mean, specifically lift. The fighting <laughs> like, thing, yeah. he, he he does okay with and all that, but like they have him literally, like their whole escape plan is based on whether Arnold can lift it or not. Lift the gate, block That's the correct. rocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Like, 
If you've ever seen a Barbarian Brothers movie, it's the exact same. <laughs> All of their powers are lifting. <laughs> I, I mean, that's pretty much what Arnold's power was at that time. He wasn't an actor really yet. He was just somebody that was really built and pretty and could lift things. He became a good actor later, I feel like. But at that time, yeah. they, were, they were doing what they had to work with. That's uh, fair, because this this was what, what did we say, 80, 85. Five. Five. And I mean, by the end of the 80s, I, I don't remember which year specifically, by the end of the 80s, you get Predator. Yes, which he does and, okay in. Yeah, so, oh yeah, that, that's a point well made. Uh, Josh, you want to take up story direction? Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I was confused by choices. <laughs> um, so, like, the whole opening sequence... We meet Sonia, who then gets told what just literally happened to her by the ghostly fairy godmother that's never explained, just to give us the exposition of what we just didn't see happen ten minutes earlier. Why couldn't you just give us that scene? The Why note, couldn't that just yeah, be the opening? It was like the note that I wrote down is it felt like the movie started at the end of Act 1. Yeah, like all of that should have been the setup to where we eventually got to at the beginning of the movie. And, so, and she gets her powers from Ghost Mom booping her nose. <laughs> like that's and, essentially what happened. Like boop. Yeah, you have like powers the. Now. Uh, um, Ian mentioned Buddy Christ earlier. It was very much like a Alanis Morissette God type thing with the yeah the nose bump the boop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I that that confused me. Like maybe that I don't know if. They started shooting things and wanted to cut for runtime, uh, and that's what they did. I, whatever it, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Um, I also didn't understand. Like they, they never even attempt. At least I didn't hear. Did they ever attempt to give a reason why the queen specifically went after her family? No. Oh, like so we have, no. we have the, we have this revenge motivation from her because of what happened. But like, why her? Why her family? Well, the queen is leading a gay army and wanted to have sex with Red Sonia, and Red Sonia said no. So then she killed Red Sonia's family in revenge. But also because, not just for that though, Red Sonia not only said no, but you might remember she hit her with her sword and gave her a little cut. Yeah. So she revenged her. She revenged <laughs> Red Sonia for the small cut. Do we do we have context on her wanting to bang Sonia? I think it's just very clear. I kind of got that yeah. sense too. I that was Background how I was inferring the the flashback event things. All right, okay. But I mean, maybe that was all. She's like, I'm exerting my power. You are one of my subjects. I effectively view view you all as slaves. I will just take you if I want you. And she refuted her because she didn't beat her in fair single combat apparently, <laughs> and. So then, she, oh, I'm so scorned and horny, so I'll kill your family. I get like, is that she all sliced that, her? It, she cut her. She slightly cut her face. I get that, but like, just the whole thing seemed really. I I don't know. It 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 was a really loose way to set up a revenge need. I don't know. Um, what do we say? Oh, what I say? I I'm glad that we cut that whole prologue scene. So that we could watch the child shit king play seesaw with the giant hand <laughs> when he's found. That was that was the first note that I made talking about elongated scenes. There is some stuff that just goes on and on and on. And the movie is still 
before credits, it's like 82 minutes. Yeah, the, the fight between the two of them to, you know, between, I don't know, Arnold, whatever his so, character yeah, name yeah. was. Calidor. Conan. <laughs> right. And uh, Sonya, um, you know, that fight between them to get in her panties. Right. Basically is what that fight was. That, Correct. What the fuck was that scene? <laughs> it was like, oh, this is a kind of a cool sword fight for a moment. And it's like. All right, it should have ended five minutes ago. It just kept going. I know that, like, it's yeah. meant to illustrate, like, they are equals, right? They can just keep going, no. and neither one can win. And... No, 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 no. It's a metaphor <laughs> for them having sex. <laughs> okay. The whole scene's a metaphor for them having sex, and that's why it's super weird that Ernie Reyes Jr. jumps on Arnold. <laughs> the kid's not getting involved in the sex metaphor, so it's like the kid's jerking off watching two randos have sex. It's a very weird scene. I definitely didn't infer it like that, so now it's weird and, to me. But and in, if yeah, you're viewing it, it through wasn't that prism, weird to me before, but you just definitely did. Viewed through that prism, then Falcom wakes up and he's like, "Hey, keep it down. I'm trying to sleep." <laughs> he just then he doesn't give a shit what's happening. <laughs> But specifically, um, you know, like now the stuff... that you mentioned that part, it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe specifically, yeah, though, I, I think the that. the yeah. stuff that takes too long. This the serpent fight in the cave went on Just way, on. way too long. Yeah, half, half have, of like, this movie is them fighting loops? a robot in the fucking <laughs> pool. <laughs> That's half this fucking movie. <laughs> that, well, and I, I, I didn't write this note down, but now I realize I should have. So. Like Arnold finally shows up and he's again like he has to save them because I guess she is incapable. Um, he tries stabbing it, not realizing <laughs> it's metal for the first three minutes. Nope. But then he says he uses the words. He says, "I can't kill it. It's a machine." <laughs> and my thought was, "There's nothing about this world that establishes the presence <laughs> of advanced machinery." But they all um, know what it is. They all accept that. But or earlier. The the queen, the evil queen's vizier guy, I'm pretty sure, or no, no, not, no, not the vizier, not the, not the, not the scientist, but the vizier, her and that guy are talking about, like, make sure the machine works the way that I want to. It's like, they use the word, but then I don't recall us ever really seeing a machine later. So I, I didn't make note about the snake machine, the serpent machine, because I thought that was because I thought they established machines by that discussion, but then I don't ever recall you seeing them. Because like the, the the scientist priest guy just uses like magic to make her disappear. Something. So like, I I don't know what machine they're talking about. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. And, I got nothing. I mean, it, it you know that's another story thing where like if he can do that, why can't he just magic Sonya a hundred feet up in the air and let her die? Like up, oh, figure out how to fly or die. You lose. Yeah. Uh, my, the last note I wrote on, on story was, uh, so the queen really never thought about, oh, what if someone just destroys the chemistry set that's controlling yeah. magic <laughs> that's right in plain sight and, ex and existing in the same room where the conflict is happening? Yeah, it's not even like the man behind the curtain. He's literally just on a table next to the, <laughs> to the throne. Right, right, right there. He's just, he's just on the left. He's on the left, guys. He's over there. Um, so I, I want to be kinder. To, to the film, um, it they just made it hard to be. Yeah. Uh, Ian, what do you got for direction story? I mean, there's some very minor issues, like <laughs> the fact that by they destroy the orb by throwing it into lava, which is very bright, which is also how the orb's powered, which seems confusing, but yeah. not a big deal. 
There's the fact that if you've watched these other movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger is very clearly playing the character of Conan, but he keeps calling himself Kalidor, and it never says that he is Conan, but he's dressed like Conan at a fancy wedding, and he doesn't even really act like Conan in parts because he calls her dumb for saying that she'd only have sex with a man that beats her in combat, he's like, you'd only have sex with someone trying to kill you. You're magical. And it's like, no, that's not Conan. Conan would be like, he's, Conan has killed someone mid-fuck in these movies before. <laughs> like, he gets down to business quick. So that was weird. It doesn't help that a lot of the characters in the movie were in previous Conan films with different names as well. <laughs> like, the queen in this movie is in the original Conan and plays the role of Red Sonia in that film. Except no. she doesn't suck. Like, she's good <laughs> at fighting and shit. So that's like a recast. They just put a mask on her and it's a new character. So anyone that wasn't in the other Conan films is just a Nazi from Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets confused. You're like, wait, who are all these people and you're placing them? So you're saying Kino was in the other movie. Kino, I was going to save this for actors, but you brought him up. <laughs> He did better in this than in those Turtles movies, <laughs> I will say. Another thing this movie got right is when the queen falls down the hole into the lava. Also better fall than in TMNT 3 Turtles Through Time. <laughs> That's actually... Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yes. That's fair. The other, like, big writing issue is just the beginning. Like, they're going to destroy this ore by enclosing it in a stone tomb. But we later find out if they would have just picked up the thing, the orbs on, they could have just thrown it in a hole, <laughs> preventing anyone from stealing it. Can and, anyone explain uh, to me, like, what the plan was with the orb? Like, what was she trying like, to do with it? She, that's how she Get destroyed Kino City. Okay. So it's just I think, like, I think, like, it's like the power stone. So it's, it's like just an, get it and destroy things, right? That there's yeah. nothing else that she wants to do. That's that's it. Bare bones. What she's trying no, to go, you, do? You surrender. Power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The real, maybe only possible, I think, issue you could have with this story is that it gets repetitive at times, where they establish in four different scenes that men can't touch the orb, but it never comes up. Plot-wise, it's never important. Yeah. No man ever actually they, they tries to touch the like stone without being forced to. Throw the orb at a dude. Let him get killed by it. You know, that'd be yeah. cool. So, that's it, really, you know, very minor story issues. <laughs> and the fact that half the movie's fighting a shark in the water that I think nearly killed Arnold Schwarzenegger. He does not seem to be enjoying himself in that scene. I think he might have yeah, drowned I like once. Actual, yeah, I, I think the actual actor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, had some serious breathing problems in those moments. It looked like that he was just literally riding something that they put in a pool. Yeah. And, it, like, that looked... Just hold on for dear life. We're going to shake this around a lot in the water. Good luck. Have fun. Look, it's just yeah. like riding a mechanical bull neck deep in water. <laughs> with no precautions. Yeah. <laughs> OSHA, what's that? Um yeah, I think I think all my stuff I think we already talked about, but like the yeah, the the beginning felt like it started way into the end of act 1. I felt like I needed more setup for the story. I think I would have cared more about stuff that was happening if we got a little bit more build up. Um but I also don't know like these types of movies and I didn't go back and watch the other Conan movies like Ian did. So I don't know if like this type of story and stuff is par for the course for some of these movies, or if this is just a sign of a poorly made movie. Like I don't have anything to compare it to. So it's hard for me to tell, I guess the first Conan begins with his village being attacked and his whole family killed. 
So you so you actually get those events, not just clips of a flashback. Yeah. I mean, it's like maybe four or five minutes, but they happen. Okay. And then you spend like ten minutes of him growing up into being this freak of nature. Yeah. Was it a montage? Slower montage because they're more extended scenes. But you, he's he's a wheel idiot because he spends ages eight through like eighteen just pushing a wheel, like like <laughs> nice. like a wheel you'd use the Wait, ground like, flower with. Oh, like you know with like a big you know grind like that. But there's no you know, flower or anything in the for... thing. Like it's just pointless. <laughs> All right. But yeah, he's a wheel idiot. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know about the direction. Again, I don't know. Maybe Ian, you can talk about this since you watched the other Conan movies, but this is the same director that directed the, what, second Conan movie, Conan the Destroyer. Yes. Direction-wise, are they similar? Does one feel better than the other? I would say similar. They both have a ridiculous monster fight. Okay. In them, nice. the, the, the Conan, I think that's the Slayer, that one has the guy in, like, a latex suit that's, like, a weird dinosaur with a giant horn, like a unicorn on it. Okay. So there's no thrashing in water, so it's a little easier to film. Yeah. And Conan has to kill it by ripping out its horn, which is a nice. little more cool. So, so but otherwise, it's a lot similar. I'd say maybe the special <laughs> effects aren't as good in this one compared yeah. to the other ones. Okay. That was, yeah, that was going to be something I was going to bring up with like everything else too. But because I didn't the know second the... Conan movie, they also toned it down to get like a PG rating, so there's less, there's like no sex and a lot less blood and no beheadings. I okay. cut those out. Gotcha. Uh, lame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's all I got for direction and story. Could have been better. I, it, I don't know. Ended up disappointment, I think, out of most of that. Um, Ian, I'll give it to you. Characters and actors. You want that one? Since yeah. You sort of, we sort of went that way with the conversation anyway. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, Sandal Bergman, who plays Queen Gurdan in this, was, like I said, in the original Conan film. In the three, four years that took place, she never learned how to act. She <laughs> delivers very stiff reading as as her as that's how she delivers lines. She reads a line and that's it. There's no emotion. There's no thought put into it. It's just cold read the line. I think we all could do that almost. Bridget Nielsen never could not act. <laughs> I don't know if she ever could, honestly, but this might be this might be the worst rookie actor we've ever seen. They literally plucked her out of Rome, like out of uh, Finland or wherever, flew to Rome for screen tests and started filming like two weeks later. <laughs> All because what? the director saw amazing in Rocky Four. The director saw her on the cover of a magazine and said, "That's my Amazonian woman." That reminds me of uh, who? Who was shit? Josh, I don't know if you remember this or if somebody else can pull this off the top of your head. The director of the Transporter movies. Who? Who directed Transporter Three? Oh Jesus! Because I feel like there's a there's a woman sidekick character in that movie who was basically no actor and the director just kind of saw her somewhere and was like yeah you know what i'm gonna take her no experience she the movie's not great i don't think she does very good any but same type uh, of thing I'll it's look. just you just see a woman somewhere off of a cover or a model or something it's like you know what yeah we're sticking her in a movie no experience whatsoever maybe it'll be good no it wasn't <laughs> her her name was natalia rudakova so you okay. totally heard of her since then you're right so yeah, um, the director was uh, uh, Olivier. 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 Literally, his last name is Megaton. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. Megatron. That's awesome. <laughs> Megaton. All right, Matt sorry. Roach go ahead. Plays Brutag, who is probably the best character in the film. He's the kingy-looking dude hanging out in the toll road, 
that she's like <laughs> gonna slice his belly open. He gives her some like great zingers about like how he's gonna kill her and about how he can like see the future. And she gives back weak shit like your future doesn't exist because I kill you. It's like <laughs> come why like even if that's a that's true poorly written line, she gives nothing to it. It is just terrible. I feel like um, that that scene between the two of them specifically felt like the type of shit you would get from pro wrestling at a local, like, I don't know, Mechanicsburg wrestling event. Not the American Legion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul L. Smith is Falcon. He was doing really good. I liked him earlier in the film where he's just kind of like the beaten down servant of um, Ernie Reyes Jr. of Prince Tarn. But, like, slowly over the film, they're like, Someone like clearly like got in some notes and was like, "It's fat joke season," <laughs> and they talk. He's crawling through the tunnel. He's like, "I'm going on a diet soon." Uh, they the do the classic, here? the guy. Oh, this how's the food here? And then starts eating. <laughs> like they just start doing some classic fat guy gags with him later on. Where the so clearly another writer came in and did shit. Did anyone else notice that he he's like the knife guy, right? He's got knives all in his like bandolier and stuff. He kept grabbing his knives by the blades. And it was really irritating me that he just <laughs> did not care that it's definitely a prop. He's just going to grab it wherever he wants to and not even acknowledge that he should be cutting his hand. It, he did have a badass bone hammer. Yeah. But it also was the question in my head, like, why are you grabbing a bone hammer like that when you have knives? Right. What's yeah. the point of your knives? It's supposed to be the knife well, guy. He also had a second bone hammer to give Ernie Reyes Jr. <laughs> if he learned how to mature himself. <laughs> Which he did right before the finale. <laughs> Speaking of, Ernie Reyes Jr., like I said, this is maybe his best movie performance ever. Better than Surf Ninjas, better than TMNT2. Oh, Surf Ninjas, I, better I than, don't know. Come on. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Umbridge with Surf Ninjas. He's just doing crazy flips and shit. He's whacking swords around. He's getting in on the sex masturbatory <laughs> workplace fight scenes. He's destroying it. He's the little shit you love to hate who then, like, learns himself. Other than that, like I think most other characters are forgettable and not important. Yeah, I think I think Ernie Reyes Jr. was the definite standout for me. He was the one that I actually found myself laughing at and was having a good time when he was on screen. I was I was cool with him. Yeah, but he actually kind of looked badass for a kid pulling off some of the martial arts. Yeah, much more so than he did later, where it was still like, oh, cool, he can do some stuff. But he looked way more badass as a kid because I feel like, you know, especially like seeing what he was able to do as a kid and then seeing that he really didn't improve on those skills at all by the time he was an adult, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I would, If we can, I'd like to go back to Pat Roach for a second, uh, who uh, Ian noted played Brytag, the, uh, the cocky playboy in, in, the, in the one cave. Um, I did not know this. I didn't realize it, but he was in every one of the original three indiana jones movies as an iconic character um he's the one guy uh that he fights on the tarmac the big buff bald guy oh, that okay. gets yeah. cut up by the yeah. helicopter um he's also the guy in temple of doom who's kind of the the big brute that indy has to like fight hand to hand who's like kind of like overseeing all the the slave labor and, and whatnot who gets I think he gets his like foot caught in one of the like machinery wheels and gets pulled under. Okay. During that, um, he's also the dude in Willow, 
who's like the evil queen's general who wears the like the skull face and whatnot. Okay. Okay. Dude's played some good roles. <laughs> yeah. And Breezak. Yeah, and Breezak. Also this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian, you good? Do you want to, should we pass it off to somebody else? Um, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Josh, do you want characters and actors next? Um, we've said before several times, kind of how we opened that it, it's, it, it's a shame and, and just a little disrespectful. No, it's, it's a lot disrespectful. No matter what you're going to do to an actress, even if you're giving them like an inter introducing um, credit to bill somebody else on all marketing materials and the film itself above them when you play the title character, uh, I think was really disrespectful for them to do. Um, I did think that uh, Sonya was uh, re reminded me of Eowyn from Lord of the Rings a lot. She nearly almost has a, a, a line that might as well have just she might as well have just said i am no man <laughs> um but i like the vibe it was it was okay um everyone else was kind of being a shit to her and she didn't not that she didn't care but it didn't influence her decisions i guess um what do i say oh uh sarah pointed this out when they have to rescue the little prince from the thieves in in the woods. Um, the chief ruffian, I called him. Sarah says, he looks like he's wearing jeans. He just, <laughs> and he kind of did. But then when I took a stock of his entire outfit, it's worth it. Go back and watch that scene again just for the, the minute or two. He looks like a sword and sorcerer's version of Woody from Toy Story. Because he's kind of got a jeans thing going, and then his top is like a lightish, almost like a yellow or mustard color. So it almost looks like the woody long sleeve shirt with the vest. Uh, oh, and then I just made the note um, that the evil queen has a freaking Aragog. And I wasn't ready for the giant spider. That's all. Uh, Mike, you want to take characters, actors? I mean, there's not a lot that can really be said, I think, about characters and actors that hasn't been said. And, you know, Mom always said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> um, I, I said earlier, it's honestly some of the worst writing and performance I've ever seen. Like, they didn't care. They didn't want to be there. They were just phoning it in. It... It it wasn't great. The, um. But Ernie Reyes Jr. Sure, that's a highlight. The the rest. No, bad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat. I thought Ernie Reyes Jr. was good. He was def like I said, definitely the standout for me. Especially, I I gave him more cool points once I realized he was Kino. Shut up, Ian. <laughs> I know he's gonna I... dock some points off that one because he was in Turtles, but got him I mean, bonus be, points for me. To be fair, I think. I, at least I feel like Bridget Nielsen was trying. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. For, for however it came off and for whatever crap they gave for her to say, whether, you know, whatever her ceiling is on being able to say that well, um, I, I feel like she was trying. Arnold, I wouldn't, I didn't feel like he was being lazy, but I there, there was nothing about anything he did said that was special, that was needed. Like you didn't need Arnold. I feel like you could tell he didn't want to be there. 
or <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't care yeah, a little bit. I think once you know the backstory that Arnold agreed to do a one-week cameo, and then they tricked him to being on set for four weeks, it makes a lot of sense how his performance <laughs> turned out. I actually thought that uh, Red Sonia was, it, it, probably for the first 15 minutes of the movie, I thought she was a mute character. Like, she does not talk for a very long time at the beginning of this movie. I thought that was a deliberate choice, and when she finally talks, I'm like, oh shit, okay, she does speak. I had that same thought in my head about um, Conan. You're not confusing Arnold. him with the sister, her with the sister, right? No, because like the whole like beginning scene, she's she's unconscious at the beginning. You get the whole flashback scene when the the fairy godmother is talking to her. She says nothing, does not acknowledge anything that she's telling her. She doesn't talk, and she'll until you see her being trained with the the swordsman guys at the, yeah, at the other after, temple. She disappears for that whole stretch, though. I get, yeah, but even, like, after a... She's not in the movie for that, like, 15 minutes. But even, like, after the tragedy happens and the fairy godmother is giving you all these instructions and stuff, you'd think she'd say something. She's just well, that, looking that, at her the that, whole time. I don't know. It's it's because that, that scene is not for her. It's for us. And right. it's so awkwardly constructed that they, it's not supposed to be a dialogue or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I just expected there'd be a little bit more back and forth there of like, why me? Why, why are you choosing me to get this? Why, right. you know, cause you're something to be a good, they banged well. that out in an hour. <laughs> that was a studio. That was like a test group note. They banged it out in an hour. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, it just, that whole beginning part kind of threw me, but yeah, I don't know. As far as anybody else did anything, I don't know. Falcon was kind of, funny at times he made me chuckle a couple times that was about it i liked him at, at most of the time I, he actually grew on me as it kept going at first yeah after like a scene or two i was like okay you're just a really being a really annoying cuck to <laughs> a you know a little child prince and whatnot because you want to you know serve royalty i get that that you know that's it's, it's a little bit of a trope type archetype character um but I don't know, as it went on he grew on me yeah uh, but yeah, I don't think I have anything great for anybody else. It was, it was all, it felt a little underwhelming, lackluster, I think. But again, I, and I'll probably keep bringing it up, but I don't have any comparison with the other movies. I'm assuming like the, Ian, the other Conan movies were better acted. You get a little bit more out of Arnold for those movies and stuff. Yeah. Arnold wants to be there. Um, I still think some of the iconic scenes from the earlier Conans is he in both movies punches a camel. Which really sets sets his character up for what you know of him. And he's just very quick and prone to violence because that's Conan, which he's much more measured in this, which kind of, that's why he's Kalidor, I guess. Yeah. And it's also super weird that, like, they find out he's the real main character because he was the one that was supposed to destroy the relic. Oh, yeah. That was like a throwaway line that you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. And you got to wonder how Arnold felt. Like, he's like, wait, now I'm the lead character? (laughs) Yeah. When they got those, like, notes that day for the script. Right. But yeah, I, I I think he was better in the other ones because he wanted to be there and they weren't just writing his scenes that day because he didn't leave yet. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anybody got anything else for actors and characters? Nothing? All right, we'll hit our final category of everything else. Anything else we didn't talk about that you guys would like to touch on? Um. I forget who didn't go first. Josh did go first. Me. So hit us up with anything we missed that you want to touch on for this movie. Um, I I think part of the pitfall that this fell in, I feel like maybe like late seventies into the eighties, there's a very uh, 
big world that people forget of sort of these sword and sorcery attempt at fantasy stories. They made a lot of these kind of movies yeah. at that time. Some of them went to theaters and I, I, like, honestly, like Willow falls into that category. Some of them were better done. Some of them are remembered. Most were forgotten. Most were never seen. So, you know, many were like direct to video or never released, all that kind of stuff. So I, it, it's, it's not like just the fault necessarily of this one. I think this just stands out because you expect it to you expected it to be better you know there's like yeah. real people behind it you have one of the you know biggest emerging actors coming in uh, into it at the time and whatnot so it just you it, it this it, take arnold schwarzenegger out of this and barely anybody knows this movie exists which is probably why so they made they him stay do. there for four weeks to keep getting more of him and more of him more of him possibly yeah yeah quite quite possibly and so that being said, I, I don't know. It's just, again, I'm trying to be kind, trying to give it the benefit of the doubt in some ways. Um, I thought most, it got a little bit better as it went on, but a lot of the fight choreography for like the first half of the movie was terrible. Uh, I, I feel like the, the, the temple raid by the queen's army killing the priestesses, um, like the, oh, yeah. the, there's like <laughs> one or two of the priestesses who seemed like they could learn fight choreography in any way. The uh, the queen um, Sonya's sister being one of them, and and then like one other, which it kind of had like a Wonder Woman vibe to me, right? Like you have the queen, and then you have um, you have Buttercup, right? And like you have like the two people who are kind of the focus characters, but a, a lot of it put together, and because it wasn't well put together, the it stood the, because those scenes they just kept dragging out and dragging out it became more apparent like you're just showing me a lot more bad stuff yeah you're making you're making the bad stuff last longer um and and that didn't go in its favor um, i'll be honest too i think the the scene where they raid the temple and it, the, all the priestesses have to defend and all that stuff and then the one runs away well even I think when they were fighting and you first get to that scene, I thought Red Sonia's sister was Red Sonia. And I was very confused for a minute as to like, how did she get there? Did we skip over part of the movie? Mm. And it wasn't until she was like running away and she runs into to Conan that I was like, wait a minute, that's maybe that is a different character. And then I was still confused until you see her at the like see Red Sonia at the other place training with the swordsman. I was like, OK, no, they are different people. But I was mm -hmm. still convinced it could have possibly been the same person. Yeah, and maybe these, you know, write the movie as you go along and let's keep Arnold, you know, on the hook for as long as we can play it into this. I remember saying, you know, 40 minutes in, I even wrote a note, but then later scratched it out. Like, why was, why was Kalidor even there? Like, he eventually, he eventually answers that, like, yeah. after an hour of the movie, he he tells her that. But, like, I don't, you didn't have to keep that a secret. Oh, it, yeah. It, it yeah. could have been discussed established some like why are you there it, it just seems like a coincidence that he like came upon this battle and this queen on her zip line that falls into his arms like yeah after you know i don't know um the one uh, actual good positive note i will give the movie i actually really dug that um like skeleton fossil thing of that giant creature that apparently like died in the chasm of the cliffs and like made the bridge oh the bridge yeah from a design standpoint i, I thought that was cool 
All right. That's what I got. Uh, Mike, you got anything else you want to touch on? Anything we missed for you? Um, you know, when we get to our ratings, I will say this movie gets a little bump in ratings for predicting the guy that still has Pornhub open but forgot to close it before he showed <laughs> something to somebody else. Um, other, I mean, it's getting most of the points it gets on the rating for that moment. <laughs> that that That's an amazing foresight into the future. Like, wow. Of all the things to think of. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. They, they found a guy that, like, he used it, like... Was that meant to be the queen? That like this guy's like jacking it to the queen, and he shows her like, <laughs> "Sorry," you know, like. I'm not sure. I, it, it, it either way, it, it was like, "Wow, that 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 was impressive." This was long before the internet was really a thing. <laughs> you just think about I, what you want, cast a spell, and it's on the magic mirror. Yeah, like damn. I had to ask Sarah as it, that scene was playing. I'm like, "Am, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing?" <laughs> Yeah, because, like, because like the image wasn't like even on my TV like it wasn't crisp enough that it, it wasn't like taking up the whole thing you know the screen thing that you're watching the yeah. the the woman is like full body kind of set back I'm like I can, am I supposed to think she's topless but she's not or is she yeah, and like, if so weird. why is she there like I had no and then I realized oh this is like his magic seeing screen all yeah. right that's that's something that's a choice. That, that was yeah, all you had, Mike? That, that was it? <laughs> I mean, I would say the music sounded completely out of place. Okay. You know, at the beginning, I feel like um, one of the notes I had was, like, the music for, like, the whole opening sequence we get feels like it belongs in the Spaghetti Western. Oh, see, I don't even remember the music all that well. I just remember making the note when I... I don't remember it now. Yeah. But, like, as I was hearing it, I'm like, this sounds like it belongs in the Spaghetti Western. So. I would say that I'll pay attention to the music more next time but next time's not going to be a thing <laughs> there was actually one random moment too that not music related but sound effect related that i thought they were going to pay off somewhere and they maybe i missed it but when red sonia is at the end of her training she's picking out her sword she's in that armory looking at the swords and she like looks like she's concentrating on what to pick and then she like kind of pauses and like looks off in the distance like she hears something literally stands still for like five seconds i thought she was going to acknowledge the sound she heard and then just goes right back to picking out a sword and i was like what the fuck was that why did we even show that i don't understand what that was or what that was meant to be the sword so talked I to her i, I can did also it? say like, the sword yeah chose that's what her. it was that's what that was they just don't like establish it well or bring it up ever again Okay. Was there and, actually like dialogue obviously. whisper sound effect or anything? Or is that what was I there? Don't, I feel like I, don't think I heard actually, something actually. Yeah, okay. that's what it says. Like, choose me. But it's never touched on again. It's very hard to tell. Okay. You don't know it's a sword saying it. It was like, I heard a sound. I didn't know what it was. She seems to acknowledge a sound, but it's never clear what it was or where it came from. And then she just goes back to picking a sword. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Okay, that makes more sense. sound effects not paying off, we also see a man get squished under a giant stone wheel and it makes no sound (laughs) crushing his body. He's just there, ah, screaming. And you don't get any of that, you know, like the bones crunching or the meat squish. You get none of that. He just is folded up under this thing like, oh, I thought I was going to get a, you know, something. It was very unsatisfying. It made that moment less satisfying. Special effects for this movie, that's the other thing, is, like, I don't know if they were just 
bad or if they're if I'm supposed to take it with like a grain of salt, like it's just dated for that time period. Like Probably, movies that know, were made around Ghostbusters there. Ghostbusters come out in the same year. That's true. Yeah, Ghostbusters was the year before, eighty four. Yeah, so And even you go back to something like Star Wars, that's seventy seven, eighty and eighty three. Like all of those movies look good. So I guess maybe yeah. it's just the budget. Like, like they just but didn't have the budget and, for that kind of stuff. Budget and talent. Yep. So all right, so it's yeah, maybe I'll yeah. I feel like the more we're talking about this movie, my rating is progressively getting lower. I Mine didn't have much where to go. Can't really forgive it for a lot of things anymore. I thought I could give it the benefit of the doubt, but I'm starting to doubt myself. Uh, Ian, you got anything else you want to touch on for the movie? So, like Josh mentioned, the bridge was cool. Like, I think it was, like, very clearly the skeleton bridge was, like, a drawing. They kind of, like, edited in. Yeah. Like, it's a like, stylistic choice. Like, it was nice. It was, like, also, like, damn, they couldn't build a stone. They couldn't build a skeleton bridge. They didn't have the <laughs> money for it, you know, so they had to do this. Yeah. Like, we could build the beginning of a skeleton bridge. <laughs> and that's it. Um, so that was cool. There was no explosions as good as you're out of 10 in the explosions. Oh, that's scale. right. Um, no, there was a lot of explosions. At the end, when they're fleeing, the, the top of that one building explodes repetitively. Yeah, it's true. There's no explosions like in this film. It gets a zero out of ten for explosions. <laughs> the one explosion you're really waiting for is the orb exploding in the lava, but it they just turn on a fog machine. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot going on. Like this has the same issue with a lot of the Conan films, where like some of the enemies just are vaguely dressed like Mongols, which isn't part of the Conan lore or anything. Mm. It's just like that's the costumes they had available. Um, the Queen's Army, though, all had, like, sick, like, serpent helmet kind of things going on, which were super wicked and cool. I thought that was cool. Though all the, the priestesses in the beginning have, like, on the scale mail, chain mail panties. But Red Sonia, who's, like, known for that, is not wearing that. She is not wearing her chain mail bikini. Okay, yeah. Can I make a note about the priestesses in the beginning? Sure. At the very beginning there, I instantly said, oh, that's bullshit. So they make a note, they have these priestesses having these pieces of, like, gold metal armor-looking stuff. The guy throws a ninja star at it, and it kills her. <laughs> right And he hits it. her square in the armor. <laughs> yep. And right, it's like... Right in, the, right in the sternum. The armor like sternum. That, yeah, like, what, what the hell was that? Like, have the ninja star hit her in the neck or something where she's not protected. Don't, like, what the hell's the point of... It, 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 I feel like it goes back to like stormtrooper armor, right? It's made to be worn to theoretically protect them from stuff, and yet every blaster bolt they hit, they blow up. Yeah, yeah it's I guess ornate armor, not functional armor. Um, I don't. Know. I, I think it was also a choice to have your opening credit sequence be just Arnold riding around on a horse. <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah, I did notice that. It's the best part of the movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, like, I think Josh has brought up Willow a couple times. And I think if you look at like the history of Sword and Sorcery, that was probably the last movie in some type of production before this came out. Like the last one to come out. And this basically killed the genre of not just like Sword and Sorcery, but kind of like general fantasy until Fellowship came out. Like, yeah, that's, that's how much point. damage this did. Wrong. It took like a once in a lifetime story movie director combo to breathe <laughs> life into this genre again because of this fuck up. And that's where I keep like trying to like make the comparison is like this isn't usually a genre that I go out of my way to watch. And my only frame of reference really is Lord of the Rings. 
and that has such a production value and level of quality to it that comparing that to this, I'm like, what the fuck happened with this movie? Like, <laughs> See, what you need to do is compare The Hobbits to this. <laughs> and it starts to make a little more sense. Yeah, touche. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else really to add. I think most of my stuff we talked about. Like, yeah, the the effects, I think, for me, I was trying to figure out, again, if it's dated or that's just how they were. I'm going to go with they didn't have the money or time to really do anything good, so it kind of looked like crap. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. I don't remember the music at, really at all, so I don't remember if it's... Was there a composer? Uh, I'm assuming so, but I didn't look that up to see who it know. was. So if if I can't remember the music, I'm going to say it probably wasn't that great if it didn't really stick out to me. But... I don't know. Anybody got anything, uh, lastly, they want to add? And then we'll revisit what the uh, ratings were and give our own. Nothing else? All right. Yep. Uh, Then, yeah, we'll revisit the Rotten Tomatoes stuff. So Rotten Tomatoes critics, again, had it at 19%. Audience was 28%. Uh, The meta score for Metacritic was 35. User score 5.6%. do you guys agree with those scores? Do you think those are generous? Too low? Too high? Uh, They're higher than what I'm going to give. <laughs> uh, I can Josh, understand what do you think? them. Agree? Disagree? I, I can understand them. Okay. Ian, what do you think? I, we always said the critics don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess before we get to our ratings, do you guys think this movie... Held up, or do you think it does it hold up now compared to what it was in 1985, or do you think it ever held up in 1985? Uh, Ian, I'll go with you. I feel like you might be a little bit more generous with this. I definitely don't think it got worse with time. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I think the only real difference would be like, man, that Arnold guy really made something of himself, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it did go up from there for him, I think. I I, I would agree. His wife told him at the premiere, if this doesn't kill your career, nothing will. <laughs> Quote to live by. The, the uh, wife that he was cheating on with Bridget <laughs> Nielsen? Yes, that wife. <laughs> I don't think she knew yet. Uh, Josh, well, what do you obviously think? Obviously not, because it became Maria Shriver eventually. <laughs> Josh, does it hold up? Do you think it held up? It it, it does not now. But yeah. It, I mean, there's a chance that it did at the time even with the things we're saying about like certain movies having better effects and whatnot not like even in 1993 i mean think of think of most of the 90s not everything was jurassic park there's oh, a right. lot of yeah. really shit special effects in a lot of movies throughout the rest of the 90s so just because this didn't have something that seemed on the upper echelon you know doesn't necessarily mean it was crap it just it is what it it was it it probably felt better at the time Um, maybe still not great but it felt better then so i'm sure like it may have held up before it definitely doesn't anymore uh mike what do you think um you know that i guess it's a gif from the simpsons where bart picks up the at least you tried cake and throws it in the trash (laughs) (laughs) that's how i feel about uh whether or not this holds up no no, it never did. No, I can't make excuses for this movie. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Mike on this. I don't think this really ever held up. If this is like Ian said, if this is the one that killed the sword, or at least had a very big hand in killing the sword sword and sorcery genre, 
and all the fantasy movies that followed. Like, yeah, the, I think this is a, that's a good sign that this never held up and did not pull its weight. I, uh, I did look it up real quick. The composer has three noms for uh, best uh, original score for the Academy. From what movies? Yeah, Jesus <laughs> I have him right here. It says he won one. The one. Untouchables. Okay. Um, shit. He won for Days the of Hateful Eight. There you go. I didn't get to that part of the Wikipedia yet. He won for yeah. which one, Josh? The Hateful Eight. Quentin oh, Tarantino's okay. from 2015. Right. So recently. So he improved since he, the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. He died two years ago. Um, okay. He well, was very old, but uh, <laughs> yes. His first nom was before this movie. Yes. That's amazing to me. But Kept okay. it going. Good for him. Yeah. Good job, dude. Oh, Exorcist 2. <laughs> Another box office that. disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> he has a ton of composing credits. He has like a few hundred. So the dude. Uh, well, I get, it's a it's a volume thing. Yeah, so they can't all be gold. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get to our ratings out of ten. Uh, is anybody still mulling? I feel like Mike, you're pretty set on what you're going to give this movie. So what do you give it? One out of. <laughs> <laughs> so still higher than the kitchen, right? <laughs> yes, but the kitchen did not, you know, Nostradamus people leaving their porn sites open. <laughs> That beat take, three movies that. for Mike. <laughs> yeah, that, that honestly, that prediction, it gets it a lot of credit. That is some serious foresight into the future type stuff, and that is um, point nine nine out of the one. All right then, uh, the Josh. What do you one the titties? <laughs> it, it, no, it was the single nipple in the first five seconds of the movie. Mike's just sitting there counting nipples. How much score he's going to give it? <laughs> Point oh one per nipple. Maybe that can be my explosions thing. Is how many nipples? <laughs> There's uh, a lot that we. One shot would have done so well with this system. <laughs> uh, Astro Boy, not so much. Uh, Josh, what do you got out of ten for this one? Um, I don't. I'm not going to ask what I. Are you going to be generous? Just, <laughs> not, not really. Um, but I, without caring what I've given other things. Um, I'm just going to give it, I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Uh, Ian, I'm expecting a glowing review from you. What are you, what are you giving this out of 10? So out of the Conan trilogy, this is, I think the worst of the films. Um, some people might say it's the best. I, I think there's enjoyment to be had. If you know, it's a bad movie and like that bad movie vibe kind of mindset, I think you can have fun with it there. I think it's really fun. If you're like, man, they really were going to do this girl power thing maybe at some point, but they didn't write that movie at any point. So that was, you know, weird choices yeah. all around. I found it enjoyable. I've seen it more than once. I'm going to give it a four. Okay, that's lower than I expected, to be honest. Better than Turtles. <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> that was um, the calculated score there. Yeah, but he, the he knows he's got to come, okay. come over that one. Uh, Yeah, I... <laughs> Trying to think, like I feel like I started this at probably about a two point five, and the more we talked about it, the more I just kind of kept lowering it. I'm coming in at a one point five for this one out of ten. I there some of the stuff I was gonna let pass as far as just like time it was made and maybe budget constraints and stuff, but no, I'm starting to think that a lot of people just didn't give a shit with this movie to care to make it good with what they had to work with. So I got I got a docket points for that one. That brings us into a 2.125 average for this movie. I don't know if that's 
Ian, I guess if you still have the scores up, is that our lowest average for a movie? I don't think it is, right? Captain America. It's still, that's fair. Yeah. Is this the second lowest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I'm almost more than a whole point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. All right. Um, I mean, it's your second lowest movie yet. You mean for me personally? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Mike's done his top three bottom movies. <laughs> so, so hold on. Uh, the Kitchen and Captain America. What's the third? Steel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this, this was better than Steel. <laughs> Combined, they all got one. Those three movies. <laughs> the, the harshest critic among us. I think we just found him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By a whole half point, harsher than Brian. <laughs> uh, all right, so that concludes our discussion for Red Sonia. So now we turn our attention to the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate! Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, the Wheel features three franchises, three standalone movies. And the idea behind this has always been to try to keep some sort of variety going, whether or not we stick to that or not. But for right now, that's what we're still doing. Uh, so we'll fill it out and see how it goes. If we need to retool, we'll, we'll retool it. But... Uh, so our three franchises currently on the wheel are Ghost Rider, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Ghost in the Shell. Uh, the three standalone movies that we have are Speed Racer, Supergirl, and replacing Red Sonja is the, the made-for-TV movie Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. from 1998 starring David Hasselhoff. Yes, it, it exists. It is a thing. Sweet. I kind of really want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what let year me... was that? I think it was 98, 98 what I looked up. Yeah. This is Baywatch era off, man. It's... They said, hey, Captain America was only eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's time to and... revisit the Marvel properties. And look at what an impact it made. <laughs> yeah, really, really helped it out. We want to go back to that, Will. I could use watching a good movie again. The problem <laughs> is I'm not sure that any of these are, except maybe the Ghost in the Shell that I've never seen. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to leave it up to fate and see Speed what. Speed Racer. Uh, Never seen right. it. But... So you guys, you guys can see the wheel, correct? I can't read it, but I can see it. That's fine. Can that's you fine. make it a little we'll bit bigger? Yeah, you will see the result. That's all we're worried about here. So I'm not all right. sure I'll be able to read the result. The colors keep changing. That's right. They <laughs> do. I don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, spinning the wheel. Wait, the colors change on purpose constantly? I kind of try to theme them somewhere around what's in the spot. No, I mean, like, literally, in the past 20 seconds, they were multiple oh, no. colors happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't change them in the... No. All right, any, any guesses? Anybody? Um, turtles? Turtles? Oh, speed Racer! Turtles oh, Speed Racer. Ooh. All right, I'm excited for Speed Racer. Yes. I I'm... haven't seen this since, like, 2009. So... I know, it's been a while. Yeah. I, I, I This was... Something I saw in the theater on like a discount day because I heard it was because the movie was crap. But I was like, ah, oh, for like, you know, two dollars or something, I'll go see it. I walked out of it really liking it. And just the the color palette and the way it looked in the theater, I was like, that's a Blu-ray purchase for me. Back when Blu-rays were big, I was like, I have to get this on Blu-ray because I think it looks really cool. How many times have you watched your Blu-ray copy since you've had it? Maybe once, but it's <laughs> so I am due to watch it again. That's for sure. Yeah, all right, that's cool. I'm I'm excited with that pick. So I guess that removes a standalone movie, and we will have to replace a standalone movie for the next time. Nice. That's three straight. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Turtles will be there forever, I guess. We'll just, <laughs> sooner or later, two, we have, what, two more Turtles movies to finish up. We have one more Ghost Rider movie. One more Ghost. And is there one more Ghost in the Shell? Is it just that one, or is there two, Ian? I can't remember. There's two. Two, because you Scar Joe. That's right, that's right. Yes, you are correct. All right, well, I guess uh, that's it for us. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show to keep up with us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Google, Stitcher, Amazon now. Uh, check us out on Amazon Music. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and his Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. Try to email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. It's legit. It's an email that works. I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That I will respond to. Uh, feel free to give me a follow on Twitch at Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, if we ever decide to do some live stuff, uh, we'll stream it there. Uh, last time we did that, we did the Star Wars trivia. So I'll remind everybody to go check out that. If you have not, that was an hour and a half of uh, me quizzing these guys on Star Wars Trivial Pursuit questions, which I think actually turned out pretty well. And we'll have to find some time to do that again. Uh, so yeah, that, that's still up there in the highlights. Check that one out. Um, or if you just want to follow and see if I ever stream some games, I, I do that there too occasionally. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, we'll see you next time on behalf of Ian, Josh, Mike, and myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.